Thank you, Brother Ruel. It's great for us to understand that Sunday is the coming, and we talk about the resurrection, and we need to experience the power and the joy of the resurrected Christ at work in our lives. If you're not experiencing this, you're missing the greatest point that has happened when a person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 20, it says, when people saw the resurrection, they left with two responses. One, worship him. The second, people had doubts. And so this morning, I'd like to start a series about transformed lives after the resurrection. In other words, what happens when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? What are some of the changes? Are we truly going to be seeing these changes in the lives? And so this morning, I'm going to be dealing with one of the favorite responses of people, and that's the word doubt. Let me talk about doubt. Doubt can be debilitating. If you are a doubter here today, you will be filled with uncertainties. As a matter of fact, James says, you're like a boat that is tossed back and fro. And I would like almost to describe like a doubter. It's like, have you ever seen a squirrel? You're driving and the squirrel goes, comes back. And that's the reason why you see a lot of squirrels that are run over, right? Instead of just going straight, they like hesitate and doubt. Should I go forward? Should I go back? That's a squirrel. And some of you may be squirrels here today. You keep on doubting, and because of that, you are going nowhere. And folks, that can happen to many people. Even Moses, when he went to be in that mountain, when he got back, because he was there for a long time, the people started to doubt whether God was real. And so they created their own idols. Oh, by the way, there was a person right from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. You know who this person was? Eve. It was the tempter said, Eve, did God really tell you that you cannot eat anything? And what did Eve say? Well, God says we're free to eat anything out there, except we're not to touch. She added something there. And all of a sudden, there became this doubtful lady. It started also with Eve. In other words, doubt can be seen. And what happens when you are doubting? Folks, this is when you become what you call spiritually disobedient. You start playing around with sin. You start having doubts in your life. Doubts about your salvation. Am I really saved? In other words, when I sinned, will I still go to heaven? What else? There's also be some disappointment in your life. When you're disappointed, you start to doubt, right? Especially when you're disappointed with people. You say, Ganyabak is Christiano? Are Christians like that? I don't want to go to church anymore. I want to go to the church over there because this church here, they're full of hypocrites. Listen, you go, there's always room for one more here, right? Because you go to another church, you'll still find them there, right? You'll never find a, a perfect church. I like what somebody said. Don't even join the church. You're going to make it imperfect, all right? Because we're full of people that are doubtful. When you're disappointed, when you're depressed. Have you ever been depressed? We're doomed. We're never going to make it. You know, you know that guy? Some people are like that. They always look at it as half full. And they're disappointed. And maybe you're sick. If you're sick, sometimes you start to doubt. Because sickness can affect your disposition. Oh, here's another one that creates doubts. When you're growing old, you start to doubt. As a matter of fact, some people say the greatest challenge of people when they grow old is their faith. Because they're asking, if I'm going to die, 
am I really going to make it to heaven? If you pass 70 years old, like some of us are probably going to get there, all right? Every day is still another blessing to the Lord. The Bible says three score years and ten. When you reach that age, are you really sure that the word of God is really something I can hold on to? Because I know I'm next. Folks, there's a lot of doubt that can come to a person's mind when you, come to, you, when you become old. And therefore, we need to deal with that. Now, I'm going to deal with a person called, if you go to the dictionary, it's called the Doubting Thomas. DT. And we can learn from him. You know why he doubted? Let me give you a few reasons why he doubted, right? It's, it's, it's found in John chapter 20, all right? Go back to John chapter 20. You've got your Bibles with you. Oh, thank you, my brother. Oh, thank you for good people to understand where I am here. So at least I don't have to doubt my, my walking around here. Thank you. John chapter 20, starting from verse 19. I want to give you the context. John chapter 20, starting verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, and that's the reason why we worship on Sunday. It's the first week right now, after the resurrection. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were what? They were overjoyed. They were filled with joy. When they saw the Lord, again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Wow, I have the right to forgive? No, no. What it's saying here is that when people confess Christ, you can say, based upon your confession, you're forgiven. But we, only God can forgive sins, all right? So you can say, oh, your sins are not forgiven. I've got the right. Oh, your sins are not. Oh, you're forgiven. We don't have the right to say that. Only when the person has confessed the sins of the Lord that you can say, based upon your confession, your sins are forgiven. All right? But notice what it says here. However, there was a guy in verse 24. Now, Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came. As a result of that, he may be one of the persons, you could say, doubted the Lord. Thomas missed something here. And folks, I'm going to add something here that may not be in this Doubting Thomas part, but it could be probably a prelude to this. If you notice here, when Christ showed up, Thomas was absent. Folks, when you're absent in a gathering where God is present, you're going to miss a lot of things. When you don't come to church and God shows up, you will miss some things. You say, I wish I was there because you remember what the first guys, people said, wait, Thomas. We saw the Lord. E absent ka. You know? And maybe I would say, Nakita namin. We really saw it. Maniwala ako. You can say, Yeah, right. Right? You know, have you ever noticed this expression today? It's a two positive that's negative. I can't understand it, right? Usually negative plus negative plus positive, right? But here, yeah, right means negative, right? Yeah, right. I, you know, he, he couldn't, he missed it, folks. Why? Because he was absent. And maybe you could miss the Lord today because you're absent in church. You missed God's blessing. What else did he miss? He missed the fact that God says, peace be upon you. God wanted wholeness upon his people. And many times we miss the wholeness of God because we're not there. When God wants to reach out to us and says, I want to give you what you want, what you need that will make you whole. What else? He gave them the Holy Spirit. 
to empower them. He was missing. And then there was joy. There was a joy inexplicable that only God can give us, that nothing in this world can ever give us. That is God's joy. He missed it. Why? Absent. So next time, don't be absent from church, all right? Now, additional lang yun, all right? But let me tell you why you think he was absent. Probably, it doesn't say, maybe he was sorting things out. Some of you, you know when, when you're going through some pain in your life, sometimes people say, just leave me alone. Have you noticed people sometimes when you want to talk to them, says, just leave me alone. I just need to sort this out, all right? Don't talk to me. I just, just leave me by myself. Maybe that's, maybe that's a doubting Thomas right there. He says, I don't understand what's happening. And says, why does this have to happen? And so maybe he was sorting things out. He was debating, is this really real? What else? He thought maybe that everything was over. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ crucified. He saw him put in the grave. And he says, you know what? That's it. It's over. You know, I thought I would put my, my, my faith in this Messiah. And he's gone. It's over, guys. Let's call it quits. There was also something wrong about him. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And some of us find ourselves at the wrong place when we deal with a problem. He could have probably done certain things. I don't know, all right? He wasn't there. Why wasn't he there? I don't know. He was not there, and so he was not at the right place. He was not at the right time, and so he missed God's blessing. And I pray that we will not miss out on what the Lord can be showing us. So let's look at... at uh, uh, Thomas' initial response. He says, yeah, right. I need some proof. Show me. He says, I want to see those marks. Really show me. The word says, the word for mark there, I want to see that imprint. That it really, it was really there. There's even an expression, to see is what? And many times we have that expression. I want to see it. I want to believe, but I want to accept these things, but I can't. It doesn't fit into my mind. As a matter of fact, there's an opposite of belief that what you call disbelief. He was filled with disbelief. And by the way, folks, there are going to be a lot of voices that will tell you, don't believe. There will be voices that tell you, yes, believe. That, like you have these two opposite sides that are telling you to believe or not to believe. Who will you listen to? It's almost like you see those cartoons, like a little devil over here, a little angel over here. Yes, yes, it's true. No, it's not true. It is true. It is not true. You see, the, listen, it happens in our lives that you hear those things talking to us. But the most important thing is this. Am I going to be led by the Spirit of God to make the right choices? Because God demands a choice from us. You can't just be sitting down here saying, all right, I'm just going to be comfortable. Religion today just makes you comfortable. Have you noticed that? People join religion that fits what they like. Because I can go to this church. They don't demand anything to me. I can just give my money and I can leave. I'm okay. To some people, they just show in church as long as I can be there and they, and they bless me. I'm okay. That's it. No, de- no demand from us. But Christ demands a choice whether we'll be his followers or not. So he's very influential, but he can also be controversial. You said, you want to follow me? Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. There is a choice to make if you are going to be a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore here, he deals with, Simon, with, with Thomas. One week later, right, he shows up. The doors were locked. Folks, it was locked. And all of a sudden, he just goes, I feel like maybe one of those, you know, like Star Wars thing. He just appears. People say, how did he appear? I don't know. 
He had a glorified body, and so he can go anywhere he wants. It just shows us that one of these days we may have that kind of body. And I'd like to claim that. But he shows up, and the first thing he says was what? Peace be unto you. Folks, in this troubled world, we all need that assurance of God's peace upon our lives. Things may not be going well. You may be doubting. He says, oh God, I only need somebody just to assure me that it'll be okay. And God says, the first thing that you need, I know you've suffered so much because of my dying and my being crucified and being buried. I want to give you my peace. My prayer this morning is that if you're here and you're troubled, may you have the experience, the peace of God that only he can give. Then the second thing he does is like this. It's almost like a, a camera. He looks at Thomas. You can see Thomas says, Thomas. Now, I don't know whether it's harsh, whether it's a tender voice, whether it's understanding or loving. He could have said, Thomas, you doubted me? You come. Boy, have you ever seen your parents when they look at you? It could be like that. You could see probably, probably Thomas saying, okay. Or it could have been says, Thomas, I understand that you doubted. Why don't you come? And what? See my hands. In other words, God says, I want you to look at the very thing that you doubted right here. Let me show it to you. Even to the point says, why don't you touch it? He said, you doubted my side? Come on, look at my side. Let me ask you, if you were Thomas, what would you, what would you do? Would you really touch it? Would you really touch his side? If I was Thomas, I'm going to touch it. Wow, tunay pala. Lord, let's see. Whoop, wow, talaga naman may hold talaga Lord or no? I don't know. Maybe he was, so, he was so engrossed with this. But you know what's so nice about this? We could say, Thomas, you can be rebuked, but Thomas had honest doubts. I'd rather have a person that's honest about the doubts that's sitting down here and never deal with their doubts. He was so honest, honest enough to say, Lord, I really want to know if it is really you and what you've said is really true about your resurrection. And so God assures him, Thomas, come on, hold my hands and put your hands on my side. And here's a thought that I want you to remember about the Lord. There's only one thing that God will bring back from earth to heaven that he will take back with him. You know what it is? It's the nail prints on his hands and his feet. There's nothing he needs in this world. When I go to heaven, I say, Jesus, I want to see those nail prints hands. You see, he doesn't have to have them there because he's resurrected. But he made sure that you see those hands. He says, this is to prove my love to you. It's real. When I go to heaven, who's the first person you want to see? Oh, I want to see Jesus. Excuse me. Yeah, that was my phone. Lord, I'm not yet ready to go yet. My nail prints, his nail prints hands and his side. It is the very thing that God will show us when you get to heaven that it's so real that he died, he was buried, and he rose again because he loves you and he loves me. And then he rebukes him. He says, Thomas, stop doubting. The word for doubting, he means, Thomas, you have, has, have so much disbelief, you no longer trust me. Why don't you start trusting me, Thomas? Why can't you trust me in what I told you? Stop disbelieving and start trusting me because I am a trustworthy person.
What else? He said, start believing. In other words, to have faith in somebody that you can put your faith totally on. Let me talk about doubt here. Do you have honest doubts? You think it's good to have honest doubts? Folks, God uses honest doubts. Even the Lord Jesus Christ says, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It almost looked like he was doubting, but he was asking some questions. And folks, I think having honest doubts is okay. If you come with the right spirit, because you know what? God is not intimidated by your doubts. You think, say, oh, they're doubting me? No, 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 no. He says, it's okay. Make sure your doubts are real and ask me those questions. And many times those doubts can be good if they're honest doubts. Well, I just remembered, you know, like the other day I was looking at some boats, you know, fishing boats. You know, I love to fish. I sold my boat before coming over here. I just look at some boats just for fun. And I look at this boat. It was so good. 2007 Key Largo fishing boat. said, wow. And the price, 2170 <gasps> This is too good to be true. I said to my wife, if this is true, I'm going to email them. I emailed the guy. I said, boy, but this is too good to be true. 2007 They just need more than $10,000. For $2,000? This is a steal. Email the guy. The guy emailed me back. Oh, he said, oh, yes, the boat is available. And by the way, it is in Florida. <laughs> and I will ship it to you. All right? I emailed him. He says, I said, I want to see the boat. And by the way, I just have a new job, and I moved to Arizona. So we can have a face-to-face -face meeting. Uh-huh. That's right. Honestly, that's right. It's a scam. So I googled this guy's name. Sure enough, he has been going around in different guys. And I look at the same statement. It was the same, but he was using another name. But that is an honest doubt. Folks, it's okay. If you know it's an honest doubt, because you want to make sure it's real and it's okay. And Thomas gave us a good reason for us to doubt the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. And I'm glad he brought that out so that people who have some doubts and says, yes, even Thomas doubted. And let me show you. God proved that he is real. Thank God for those honest doubts. Because right here, he was rebuked. And I want you to notice as a result of encountering the resurrected Christ. Notice Thomas' response. Go back to John chapter 20. In verse 28, after he said, stop doubting and believing. Notice verse 28. Thomas said what? My Lord and what? This is a beautiful statement about the deity of God. Notice it says, my Lord. There are two words for the word Lord. One word is what you call Lord, is where you get the word curious, all right? It means he's a God, a Lord, who has authority over you for your good. In other words, I am your Lord. But I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to watch over you. Because as a Lord, my concern is for your good. That is the kind of Lord that Thomas talked about. There's a second kind of Lord. They call them despots. You know what are despots? These are people who say, I'm Lord, but you're there to serve me. You got that? Your properties are mine. You're there to serve me. That is a despot. Jesus Christ is what? Curios. He's Lord over you and me because he loves you and is concerned about your good. Isn't that great to know? That they have a God who is concerned after your good. 
Then he say, said, my God. What does God stands for? It comes from the word Theo, where it means, God, you are deity. In other words, you are my Lord and you are my God. The almighty God. Amen? In other words, Thomas says, as a result of this, I call Jesus Christ my Lord and my God. Can you truly say from your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your God? The moment you have experienced him, you can say it from the bottom of your heart. And so here's the challenge that I want to share with you. You will be challenged with those doubts in your life. As a matter of fact, there was one, one, one class. And maybe you know people that are doubters, right? This could be your professors. This could be some of your teachers. This could be a friend. There was this child who was a part of a class. And the professor always made fun of Christians. And what he did, he would challenge them about their faith. He said, all right, how many of you here in the science class believes in God? Some of the kids would say, and all of them somehow were kind of scared because they knew they were going to make fun of him. He would make fun of them. There was this one boy says, I believe in God. And so all the students says, you know he's going to make fun of you. I know. And so the professor says, by the way, here's an egg. According to gravity, if I put this egg on the side of this table, if I push it over, what happens? It falls to the ground, and that egg would what? Crack, right? And by the way, if there is really a God, he's in control, I will push that egg over, and that egg, if there's God, that egg won't what? Break. You got that class? And so he said, okay, young men, you believe that there's God? All right, I want you to pray. Before this class here, pray that your God will make sure that that egg, when it drops down, won't what? Won't break. Now, folks, if you were in that situation, what would you do? Would you pray? Well, he was asked to pray. Just call on your God to make sure that if your God is real, this egg, when it goes over, won't break. Because then it tells me that there is a God. If it breaks, there is no God. And so the boy came over and says, why don't you pray? You know what he prayed? God, I pray when that egg goes over that table, it will fall onto the floor. It will splatter to many, many pieces. And Lord, because my professor is mocking you, that when that happens, you strike him down and you kill him and let him die. <laughs> That's what he prayed. So the professor was there, right? And everybody's watching. You're the professor. You know what? The professor was starting to, to sweat. And before he could push that egg over, he says, Class, dismiss. Well, he knew he was dealing with something that probably the boy prayed a different prayer. Listen, sometimes we mock God, we play around with him, we think that we can use our intelligence to make sure that we are better than him. Let me give you one more story. How people who are atheists who try to mock God make him feel like he's so small. There was one guy who says, well, guys, I want to prove to you that there is no God. He was in a community where People were just kind of listening to him because he was an intellectual guy. He says, I want to prove to you that there is no God. Come to this plaza. And so the next day he says, people, I want to prove to you that there is no God. And so the whole community came. 
He says, I'm going to challenge God. If there's God here, I'm going to give him five minutes to strike me dead in five minutes. All right? People say, wow. You could see everybody that's watching. I'm just really, I'm giving you a challenge. If God is really real, I'm going to give him five minutes to strike me dead. Five minutes. And so everybody was watching, and they were starting to count. All right? All right? People started to count. People were watching. Then you know those last two minutes. One minute, you can start thinking like, like he's kind of, is there lightning or what? He was just kind of looking around. Last 10 seconds, there was a countdown. 10, 9, 8. And afterwards, nothing happened. Boy, if I was like, see, I told you, there is no God. <laughs> so the following day, he was waiting for that big splash in terms of the news, the, 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 the story from the news. He was waiting for the newspaper. And the following day, he looks at the newspaper and says, boy, I'm going to be a celebrity tomorrow. <laughs> There's no God. He looks up there and it says, how can men exhaust the patience of God in five minutes? Folks, sometimes we play around with God. Don't. You will never win with God. Because let God be God. And the fact that God is real is the fact that he rose again from the grave. So here's the application. I want to look at the challenge here. Go back to John chapter 20. It says, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet what? Have believed. Folks, let's thank God. I haven't seen Christ, but yet I believe in him. Amen. You haven't seen him yet. But you know deep in your heart, he's real. People said, you know what? Unless I see him, I won't believe in him. That is not the kind of faith we need. We need to believe even if I don't see him. We've got his word. It should be enough. As a matter of fact, there's an expression that people say, Whatever I walk up into, that's where I will die with. Have you ever heard that expression? You know, that kind of expression is a fallacy. Just because you walk up with that kind of faith, you're going to remain in that kind of faith? Think about this. When you grew up in the Philippines, when you grew up, did you have digital television? Did you have cell phones? Well, you don't wake up with that. How come you're using them now? So in the same way with God, just because I haven't experienced that then, why am I believing this? Folks, there are certain things that need to be revealed by faith. Let me ask you. How are you sure that you are your father's son? Or I am my father's son, right? When you were born. Hi, dad. Did I really know that he's my dad? How do I know that I'm really the son of my father? There are what? Witnesses. We have more than 500 witnesses to tell us that Jesus Christ is alive, and that should be enough. Amen? And I should take God from his word. And notice what it says here. In verse uh, 31, but these are written that you may what? Believe. God has given us God's word so you can believe in his truth. What else? That he is the what? The Christ. The anointed one. The Messiah that is coming back again. That through him you might have what? Eternal life. Folks, that doesn't change. If you have Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is going to take away the doubts from your life. And so in closing... What is the application I want to share with you? Number one, let's be honest about our belief in God. 
No matter what, if you are doubting, it's okay. But let's make sure that your doubt is real. That you really want to know, God, are you really real? Then let's say, Lord, reveal yourself to me in Scripture. Show me who you are. I want to know more. Show me from Scripture where it tells me that you're truly a loving and forgiving God. Let your doubts be dealt with with Scripture. What else? Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning you are, maybe you are, you are disappointed. You know the Bible tells us? There's going to be adversity in life. God never promised that everything will be okay. You will be disappointed with the people next to you. There will be people that will hurt you. Your children, the people that you want to, to be there for you, will not be there for you. But the Lord promises us that He will be there for us when we go to difficulties. He promised that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and verse 39. And even when the problems are there, God says, I will see you through. Let's pray that God will give us what you call a dynamic faith. A faith that is real. A faith that you can hold on to. But let me share with you one more thing here. Maybe some of you are getting old. And your faith may be kind of wavering here. If you're like me, I'm already reaching that point where I'm starting to feel all this pain and stuff. Let me encourage you for, from three things that are unquestionably things that you can hold on to. Number one, unquestionably, you can rely on the fact that Jesus Christ can save us. You better hold on to that, that no one in this world can ever save us except Christ. That doesn't change. Second unquestionable thing that you can trust God for, that you have a relationship with the Father through Christ. You now have this relationship. You are a child of God, John chapter 1, verse 12. As a child, you've got privileges, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. As a father, he knows what's best for you. But let me give you the third unquestionable thing. You can rely on the what? On the Word of God. Everything I share with you is found in the Word of God, folks. If you believe only God's Word, God says He will take away the doubts from our lives and fill it with faith and belief. God, help me with my unbelief. You can pray that prayer, and God can replace it with a faith that is real, dynamic, and something that can make a difference in life. God will change you and change that doubt to real faith and belief. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Well, every heads are bowed and every eyes are closed. You know, I don't know where you stand before the Lord. Maybe right now you put your faith in a lot of things except on God. Maybe right now you've been through some experiences that has caused you to doubt. Maybe right now you are not spiritually right with the Lord and you feel like there's something missing there. And you feel like in your sin, is it really true that God can forgive me? And maybe you're playing around with, with sin, making all kinds of rationalization that it's okay to sin. And you know it's not. And God is dealing with you. And maybe this morning you're also dealing with that old age question. Lord, if I die, is it really real that I'm going to be in your presence? Whatever those doubts might be this morning, I pray, can we give them to the Lord? Can we trust God to replace it with faith and belief? And all that you need to do this morning, like the, like the doubting Thomas, is to step out in faith and say, God, I realize that you love me. I thank you that you've never given up on me even when I doubted you. And this morning, I know, Lord, that you are real. Forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me of my sins. And I put my faith and trust in you alone, Jesus. 
that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again that I might live. Today, I put my faith and trust in you alone as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that assurance that I am saved, that I am your child, and that I can hold on to your promises. Father, if you people also here today are going through some difficulties, and because of this, Lord, maybe some of them are discouraged, they're disappointed, they're hurt. God, would you please come into their lives right now? And just, Lord, just allow them to understand that, yes, you understand their struggles right now. But, Lord, allow them to ask for your forgiveness. Allow them, Lord, to ask for your understanding. Allow them, Lord, to be able to bring the, the, the things that is causing them to stumble, Lord, or even, Lord, to have a setback. Lord, replace that human effort in their lives and human understanding with godly life and understanding from your Spirit. So, Lord, I pray for healing about those who may be experiencing this disappointment and hurts in their lives this morning. Replace it, the Lord, with assurance of your peace, your divine intervention, your love and understanding that comes when we surrender our lives fully to you. So, Lord, replace this area of doubt in our life with belief, the Lord, that you can take care of this problem of ours. We commit, Lord, to you. And, Lord, for some of us who are growing old today, Maybe some of us are just saying, God, can I truly trust you, Lord? I pray, Lord, can we hold on to your Son, through your Word, and to the relationship with the Father, the Lord, that you will be there with us, even to the end of our age, of this life, that we will be assured from your promises. Father, bless you, people, Lord, today. May we show the changed life, because the resurrected Christ has dealt with the doubts in our life, and replace it with the faith that, like Thomas said, we can truly say, my Lord and my God. Lord, be our Lord today. You are our God that we worship. Be real in your people, Lord, this morning. It is our prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.